Hello, and welcome back to Brace. Today on the podcast, I'm going to be interviewing Tommy about The Way of Kings, the first book in the Stormlight Archive series. So, Tommy, I'm curious, how did you hear about this series? Well, Paul, I think that's a great question. My buddy Kevin and I were playing Dungeons and Dragons and reading a bunch of different fiction novels, including The Name of the Wind, which you and I have discussed at length, and hopefully we can continue to discuss uh, at a later date. Whenever he finishes that one up. Yeah, that's uh, another topic altogether. Mm -hmm. As we were playing Dungeons and Dragons and sharing books back and forth, he gave to me The Way of Kings. And when I was originally looking at The Way of Kings, it was a 1,200-page book. I was going into college. I didn't have time to really take a look at it. So six that, years... That was senior year of high school when you were... Senior year of high school. Around six years ago. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't have a ton of time to be reading at that point. So now, six years later, I picked up the first three books in one of those little collector sets. And I started taking a taking a look at it, and I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear you enjoy it. So what is the story about? So The Way of Kings is set in a fictional world called Roshar. And there's a bunch of different kingdoms and different peoples. And that's that's one of the big things I really enjoy about the book, that there's a lot of world building. And what I don't want to get... Farewell to, like, Dune? I would say there's aspects of that. So there's different powers fighting for power. And in this big world, a ton of things are going on. You're introduced to it slowly, but also fast. I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but a lot of the questions that you have don't get answered until further on. Does the format follow like a single hero? Or is it Game of Thrones style where you're kind of following multiple sets of heroes and you're not necessarily sure like which team you're on? So this follows, I would say, four main characters, and each chapter is their perspective. There are some chapters, as we reach closer to the end, where the characters are now interacting, where a chapter is actually split up into this point of view and then go, goes to this point of view, switches back to this point of view. Did what you I really read Ender's Game? I did read Ender's Game. So it's, it's kind of that same, and Game of Thrones is the same way, but it's kind of that same format where... You're at the beginning of the chapter, you're told, all right, we're switching back to this person's perspective. Correct. But what I really enjoy about this sort of way of writing is you get to see a lot more of the world than just a single perspective. And I think in these large fantasy novels, it allows for a lot more character development. I guess that's kind of a weird way of putting it when you're following different characters, you get more character development. But maybe it's the length of this book. I was going to say, I think it really helps being 1,200 pages. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely a big part of it, for sure. So did you feel like the action was, was pretty immediate, or was it a really slow buildup where they were kind of just establishing the characters for a while, and then the action started? The first two chapters really piqued my interest. The author doesn't really show any of the main characters. He does like a, you know, a thousand years ago sort of thing. And it's right after this giant battle, and these people are deciding to to walk away, to give up, and you don't really know why. And the second chapter is, I would say, the the point at which a lot of the story is centered. One of the main characters, uh, the assassin, is on his way to kill the king of Alethkar, which is uh, probably the the biggest 
country or kingdom in the story in the continent of Roshar. And that's definitely action-packed. It very much introduces you to the magic of the world. I would say this is more of a hard magic system where the rules are explained. I wouldn't say you have all the answers, especially not even at the end of this first book, but you can understand how the magic system works. And I really like that about a book. You know, similar again to The Name of the Wind, yeah. where it's it's almost like a... A, a scientific logic. approach at magic. This, yeah, this there's a logic to it that keeps it consistent. Awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, I, I really do enjoy those magic systems too. Do you want to do a brief explanation of, of kind of how it works or, or what it is? Because I've, you know, I've been around a couple different magic systems. Most of our listeners probably have too. So there might be something that's uh, familiar. So there's a few different magic systems. I say a few because they work in different ways. One magic system is shard plate and shard blades. Uh, so shard plate is the armor that was left by uh, another group that's like the thousand years ago, the Radiance, who essentially were there to protect and help the weak and those that needed it. So they wore shard plate, which could resist a ton of attacks, made them stronger while wearing it, so it it amplified their own attributes, and the shard blades are the weapons that they used. What's interesting about the shard blades is they don't cut through flesh. They cut the soul out of the flesh. When a character dies by shard blade, their eyes like burn out of their head and like float up, and it's the soul leaving the body. It makes you know fighting against someone with a shard blade that much more like dangerous, in a sense. Ah. Your, your soul's on the line, man. And I mean, if if there's a, a heaven hell system, which I'm not sure, you know, often in the in the sci-fi type books, it's kind of hard to determine what type of religions there are. That sounds like you're you're killing the soul, which is never a good thing, and you know, whatever that might mean. Um, For sure. So another part of the magic system is Fabrials. I believe I'm saying that right. I I read the book. I didn't listen to it, so I'm not exactly sure how it is necessarily to be pronounced but the ardents so the religious folk use these to soul cast and that's changing one piece of matter into another and this requires certain gemstones that are involved with each of the essences that you want to change or change something to you don't really know this at the beginning and i don't want to get too much into spoilers but you have to have one of these these fabrials in order to cast this sort of magic. So there's a lot of uh, engineering and study that goes on in the book, and they're trying to recreate some of these shard plates, these shard blades, and the fabrials. Another point about the shard blades that I forgot was they go through pretty much all solid material. So like only shard plate will stop shard blades, but they can cut through stone so that that's used later in the book, you know, during certain battles to, you know, cut out certain areas. Anyways, that was just a point I wanted to make. And then there are the surge binders. So a surge binder takes in stormlight. So I'll kind of get to that as we talk about some of the some of the larger plots of the book. But it takes in stormlight. And I, I think they're hinting at other ways that there are surge binders. But in this one, they lash things. So what that means is they can change the overall weight of certain items. They can lash one item to another 
they can change the gravitational direction like an item has. So instead of like throwing or using your mind to do like a telepathic thing and throw a table across the room, instead it's now you're actually changing the way gravity is pulling that table. So you make, you make sideways down in a sense. Yeah, yeah, I get that. That It's still uh, kind of confusing in general on how that would work. So I, I think that's one of those systems that you probably need to see the application in multiple different ways before you would understand kind of how. For sure. The surge binders are probably the least hard of the magic systems in okay. the sense that like it's not, you still don't really know how it works uh, by the end of this first book. I'm curious about what in the book overall really like resonated with you or, or what were the themes that kind of were, were coming up over and over that maybe uh, you felt? So the themes that really stood out to me were bravery, sacrifice, leadership, doing the right thing when no one else will, trying to save others, philosophy. There's a lot that this book touches on and it's able to do so because it has a wide range of characters that you follow. So like one of the characters is a dark eyes, right? So in this world, at least in Alethkar, the light eyes, uh, so blue eyes, green eyes, are ranked higher. So it's a caste system. And the dark eyes are kind of the, the common folk. And there's myths and stories. You know, the light eyes are supposed to be good, supposed to stick to values. And the one character hates the light eyes because he was fed all of these stories and yet has been betrayed time and time again by the people he thought he could trust. So that's definitely a theme that resonated with me. Like I said, leadership, being willing to do the tasks that you would command others to do, that gets brought up again and again. One of the other characters, Dalinar, he's a high prince in this Alethkar society, and he's trying to follow these codes. And the codes are essentially like a set of rules that help make you a better leader. He has struggles with following these, especially when everyone else isn't. Uh, and it makes him a bit of an outcast in the royalty of Alethkar. It's interesting hearing you say leadership, bravery, sacrifice as some of the major themes. Uh, I assume those are kind of embodied by different characters because otherwise it sounds like a really classic hero's journey. So I, I would say that, you know, there's definitely aspects of a hero's journey. But at the same time, you know, in this world that's made out of you know, so many different cool things. Like I haven't even gotten into the high storms, right? So the high storms are these these giant storms that you have to be inside to live through. But these go across the continent of Roshar and are usually big events. And then there's also uh, spren. So wind spren, fire spren, pain spren, rot spren. Uh, what that means is they're beings that only show up when these emotions are present. So there's like honor spren, right? So when people feel good, these these things show up and think of them almost as like wisps or like little like ghosts, but they're not humans, right? They're not ghosts of people that have passed or maybe they are. I don't know. I haven't gotten haven't gotten to the further parts of the book, but these little emotional creatures show up and are a very cool part of the world building. So you have like you have these different things going on and that that all encompasses this heroic you know, hero's journey. At the same time, you know, I think sadness and regret are also big themes. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the straight path of a hero's journey, per se. How did it make you feel while you were reading it? It sounds like there's kind of a, a lot of overarching themes. So did you 
feel that sadness and regret while you were while you're reading it did you empathize with that or, or yeah there there were you know sections that i i very much empathized with and i think when you can empathize with characters that can allow you to really feel certain emotions emotions that the you know characters are feeling i guess that is the definition of empathize well, but <laughs> it makes you fall into the story a little bit for sure this this was a book that was very hard to put down, and I, there were also times where I, I could feel like I got I got arm or hairs standing up on my arms at just like the leadership and and bravery, uh, and I know I'm saying those words over and over, but they are truly central themes to the book, and there were definitely times where I shed a tear. It does a very good job of of getting you to know these characters. Well, that's I, I can relate to that. I think probably the last fiction book that made me cry would have also been the King Killer Chronicles. So for sure, I can I can relate with that. Do you have a couple or or a single character that is your favorite? Oh, it's it's a bit of a toss up. I really like Dalinar, the high prince that is trying to follow these codes, trying to be a good man, trying to to live honorably and nobly. But I also really enjoy Kaladin's story. And again, I don't I don't want to get too much into spoilers. There's so much I could say. But seeing seeing his range of emotions and his both regret for the past and yet hope and want for the future, you know, very very endearing. I'd probably have to go with Kaladin as as my favorite one, favorite character. Well, that's awesome. I mean, it sounds like there are a lot of different players in the game so you probably have you know more that you really enjoy reading about i'm curious kind of you know as we're giving this information to the audience in a sense it's a little bit of an advertisement for the book right and i i would probably like to read it based on everything you've told me here you know it kind of gives the same it feels like it's in the same genre as the king killer chronicles which i enjoyed a lot it also is hard for me to justify picking up a 1200 page book when i have <laughs> right uh, but that being said, did the book give you any perspective or insight that can be applied in, in real life, you know, about the human condition or anything like that, that feels like it's worth sharing? I, I think some of the insight that is is valuable is to not worry about what others think. If you know that you're doing something and you're doing it for the right reasons and it's, you know, based in fact, don't worry how other people think of you. I think that's definitely a big aspect of it. And then I think also at the cost of of oneself, being willing to help others is very, very resonant throughout the book. Self-sacrifice is, is an awesome theme, I think. In, yeah. Especially in the fiction books. When I talk about the hero's journey, that's a little bit what I mean. Uh, and you, you said bravery, sacrifice, leadership, and, and all of those are part of it too. But I think self-sacrifice, not to get too on my pedestal about it, but all of them follow back to the the essential Christian story. And if you listen to Jordan Peterson, he kind of says that's that's the only story, and we've just found a bunch of different ways of telling it. And I, I really always appreciate when I can see that little glimpse in the fictional characters of them being willing to, to put themselves on the line. And, and I think it's a little bit of a call to action to all of us to approach life in that way a little bit more. Do you agree? Oh, for sure. And I would say this this book does a very good job of of wanting you to be a good person. It's it's just the themes throughout are, are very interesting. I'm not giving enough love to to all the characters. There is one character who really looks at philosophy and morality too. 
and questions if I do this action that's bad, but it's overall for a good reason, does that make it okay? And I, I think that's another another theme that really resonates with me, uh, the idea of, of moral and ethical decisions, and I think philosophy as a whole. Well, and uh, yeah, we live in a, a world that has done what it can to make our lives morally ambiguous, right? So having characters that have a strong sense of philosophy and moral direction, uh, I think, makes us take a step back and observe what is happening around us. You, do you agree? Yeah, I would agree. Well, Tommy, to, to close us out here, what are your thoughts on the audience of this book? Would you recommend it to high schoolers? Would you recommend it to college kids? Uh, and where do you rank this among your other fiction genre trilogies or series that you've been a fan of? A lot of the a lot of the themes are, are very mature, and yeah, it could be like a a young adult read. But I think to appreciate everything that I did appreciate in this book, I think having a little bit of life experience helps. So I would say, you know, whether that be you know college kids that have had jobs in the past or have gone through hardships and or adults. Uh, willing to look at a very interesting, different world in which, you know, themes are, are present that are in our world as well. I think, as, you know, recommending this, this is one of the best books that's the start of a series that has a very satisfying and conclusive end to the story itself, the story that it was telling. A lot of the, you know, loose ends are tied up while there's still being questions for what's going to happen in the future. But this story as a whole does very good at completing its ideas and themes uh, and taking them to, you know, the, the final point. I would totally recommend this to anybody that's a fan of fantasy or fiction or just human stories. Because like I said, I think the themes are are very concrete and laid out as for ranking this among other uh, fantasy stories. I think I, I hold a, a very near and dear place to my heart with uh, the name of the wind and the, the King killer Chronicle series, but this is, this is pretty high up there. I, I would have to take a look at all the, the fantasy books that I've read, but this one has been very impactful and thoughtful. Uh, and maybe that's because I've been journaling as I've been reading it and talking about the themes and, uh, maybe that's part of it. So maybe I just took a deeper dive. But with 1,200 pages of content, there's a lot there. So if, if you're willing to take the time and pick it up, uh, you're going to have a hard time putting it down. Awesome. Well, thank you for giving us the review on The Way of Kings, the first book in the Stormlight Archives. Uh, if you haven't already given us a follow, give us a follow on Instagram at brace.22. Uh, we may have a Facebook and uh, Twitter coming soon. We appreciate all the support and hope you learned something today. Bye-bye. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever you're listening to this Brace podcast. 
We ask you to follow us on Instagram at brace.22. Paul's Twitter is at Paul from Brace. And be sure to email us at brace22 at protonmail.com. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you are listening and send to a friend if you found value in this discussion. Thanks. We appreciate it.